Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Someone tapped me on the shoulder and was like, oh, we're an ASOS model scout. Can I take a photo and would you come for a test shoot in London? Came back and they're like, it's probably worth talking about your thighs. That was like the first switch in my brain to tell myself that I wasn't good enough and food suddenly became that enemy. As games really messed up affirmations of you're doing the right thing, reconfirming these negative behaviours, we have to go to different people for different sources of inspiration. And that's why I like to be a source of inspiration for people to empower people to make tiny changes to their nutrition and their health you have to structure your life around the things that bring you joy and make you happy and if you're in something that you know that you're a bit too vulnerable to be in get out of that situation you don't have to be there you don't have to stay in that situation emily Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to have you here, actually, even though we've had to move around a little bit today and you've been very accommodating running around London for me, <laughs> turning up early, seeing my hair in these crazy colours. <laughs> but we're here now. And, you know, it's quite funny because we only met last week, right? Or was it the week before? I can't even remember. Last week. Last week, yeah. And I felt like we just got along so well and we spoke the entire night and then I was like, you should come on my podcast. And you were like, okay. <laughs> So I feel we're just we're just sharing our conversation from that night, really. Yeah. But I want to start with the beginning. So obviously you went to uni, you studied nutrition. Why did you choose to do that? So I have a very interesting journey with food and it wasn't as plain sailing <laughs> as people think. Mm -hmm. um, I come from a family of chefs. So my granny actually owns a restaurant at B&B &B, and from the age of 12, I used to add five pounds an hour kind of desperately healing I loved it I felt super connected to food and feeding people and that's mm -hmm. something that was really important to me because I came from a really big family and coming from a big family I want to fly oh my gosh food budgets were tight yeah I'm trying to keep cost low but feed everyone good nourishing and food was always my mom's my mom's kind of purpose and ethos mm -hmm. and that definitely kind of fed through into me Okay. But love to cook, love to feed people. Got through the age of 17 and ended up having a, um, a dog proposal for modeling. So I got scouted at the festival, actually. Oh my gosh. I it so clearly. And someone tapped me on the shoulder and was like, oh, we're an ASOS model scout. Would you like 
can I take a photo and would you come for a test shoot in London? And like, imagine 17 years old, I shopped on ASOL and it was something that was so mind blowing to me. So I went to the casting and I ended up doing really, really well there. So I stayed at ASOS, I guess they're in house model for about three years. Oh but my gosh. The most amazing company to work for. But then what I did is I, they put me forward to go for an agency. So kind right. of the real world. I was definitely in like a little bubble mm -hmm. when I was at ASOS. But when I finally went and got an agency, I remember the day that I got back from Chicago. Um, I'd obviously been having a great time eating with all of my favorite restaurants, trying all the foods I wanted mm. to try. Came back and they were like, so I think it's probably worth talking about your thighs and how we need to kind of trim those, like trim those down a bit. But, like, but we don't want you to stop eating. We just want you to exercise more. So I was... Yeah, still 17. Um, oh, my I was gosh. 18 at this point. And I remember I was tiny. I look back and I feel so frustrated, but they made me feel like something was wrong with me. And I remember the meal that my mum made that night. She made one of my favourite meals, pork and apple sausages with mashed potato and gravy and all the greens. I came home and I cried and I said to my mum, I was like, you, like, you need to stop feeding me this food. And why, why are you feeding me this food and, and making me do this? And that was like the first switch in my brain to tell myself that I wasn't good enough. And food suddenly became that enemy. My God. And that demons. And coming from a family where we do not have unhealthy relationships with food, of course, we will have chocolate, but we'll have a veg box I've got to get every single week. My mom would always put as much diversity in our meals as possible and she cared about what was going into us. Mm -hmm. And it ended up getting so bad where obviously my weight fell down and down. But then somehow I got the approval of the, the agency thinking, oh, well done, you've done a really good job. So I was getting this really messed up like affirmations of you're doing the right thing, kind of reconfirming these negative behaviours and self-destructive behaviours that I had with food. I was just going to ask, why do you think if you grew up in a family where you had such a healthy relationship with food, why were you so triggered by what the agency said? Why was it so important for you to seek their approval? So one thing that I realized, and it's probably taken me a lot of thought process to realize is coming from a really big family, my mom had three kids on Jesus three when I was probably about eight or nine years old. Wow. So I was pretty independent quite quickly. And realistically, I got no attention. I was kind of the middle child. I wasn't the first child. Mm -hmm. Like my brother was the first person to like get into a really good school, do all his exams, do really well in them. And I just kind of got lost. So I was always seeking people's approval, either from my parents, desperately trying to get their attention, and then people pleasing in my work. And, and that character trait definitely still sits with me now. Right. And understanding how I got here through just obviously the way that I was raised. Mm -hmm. It's such a shame though that it's led into something that affected my mental health so so terribly. I think with modeling, because I used to model previously as well, and I think 
it is the hardest job in the world when someone criticizes the way you look and it's something you cannot change. And when it is something you that you can change, I feel like you go to any ends of the earth to change that. So I remember when I went to, I think it was my second shoot. And I, I remember actually when I was, I was with my grandma, my mom and my auntie. And we went for breakfast and I got a message from this Instagram makeup artist who had like 50,000 followers and me having like 1,500 being like 19 years old thought that was like, oh my God. Everyone says they're a celeb makeup artist. Anyway, she said she was a celeb makeup makeup artist and she was like can you come today and I was like sure and I remember when I went I left this breakfast with my family which was stupid of me but I was so excited I was like oh my god mom she's called me I'm gonna go I went and um she said what on earth are those and I was like what and she was like well laugh lines and I was like what and then the other the photographer was like we'll just have to photoshop it it's fine and she was just like oh I didn't know that they were there and I remember in that moment being like, I don't even know what lifelines are. I've never even noticed that I have these lines. I thought it was normal. And ever since that day, I remember on every shoot, someone would make a comment, but it would be reinforced by being like, they're horrible, they're horrible, they're horrible, they're horrible. And actually on one shoot, I remember just openly saying it, like, I know you're gonna say about my laugh lines. I just said it and someone was like, no, they're beautiful. It means that you laugh a lot. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. But with modeling, I think it's so hard and people don't understand it's when someone's critiquing your face, when someone's critiquing your body, it's such an attack on you as a person. And that can really, really make you lose confidence. And I actually lost a lot of confidence when I was modeling full time because I feel like the obsession is all on the external. Nobody really cares about the internal. And that's really suffocating in a way. I think you're either a person who gets affected by it or you're not mm -hmm. and I don't think you have thick enough skin to yeah. be in an industry like that where you can just brush it off mm -hmm. but I wish I didn't take things so personally but I do I call with the same people exactly. <laughs> so that's why you have to you have to structure your life around the things that bring you joy and make you happy and if you're in something that you know that you're a bit too vulnerable to be in. Get out of that situation. You don't have to be there. You don't have to stay in that situation. That is so powerful. So did you quit modeling? I did. So there was one moment where my mum had made me a cheese roll. And I remember it was tiny in like a little granary bun. And I looked at this roll and I, I broke. Because I was like, I don't know why I can't just eat the roll. She was like, Emily, please, like, please just eat it. I, like, I can't, I can't. And it was that moment I was like, I'm done. I got therapy. I work with my therapist every single day for about six months. Mm -hmm. So every single week, sorry. I work with her every single week for about six months. And quit. And it was, I earned a lot of money. It's an incredibly generous industry. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't worth it to sacrifice myself for that process. So I finally went to uni. I deferred for two years. Yes. Finally went to uni, finally felt in my head like I was stronger. Mm -hmm. But the one thing with an eating disorder it was, is that it will always leave its mark. You will never truly get over an eating disorder. I agree. Because those voices, that clashing chin, that self-destructive controlling behavior will always try and kind of rear its ugly heads. But you just have to be prepared. Like my therapist gave me the tools in my toolbox to deal with these situations now. But you can't ever think, oh, I'm just going to switch that light off and it's going to go away. And what are some of those tools? 
So one of my favorite ones is just birds eye viewing a situation because when we go day by day, we can drive ourselves into such tight, close, claustrophobic spaces where we can't see a way out or we can't see a rational explanation or a reason to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you home out and look at that perspective, look at that bigger picture, suddenly these situations become so much less daunting. And I say it's the same for, like, it's the way I actually work with my clients with nutrition now. Mm -hmm. I say, think of the bigger picture. You come to me, you're like, oh, I want to lose weight in six months for for summer. I'm like, okay, great. But what's a bigger goal for you? What do you actually want to learn and achieve with nutrition? How do you want to grow in that? What kind of manifestations and visualizations do you see yourself being in two years' time, three years' time? That's... Those are healthy habits. And I remember something you said to me last week that really, really stuck with me was it's always about the root cause. So if you want to get healthy, if you want to lose some weight for summer, actually what you want is to feel confident. And that's the thing you focus on. And I think that was so powerful for me to hear because I think often everyone's like, I want to lose weight. And often losing weight is never enough for you to not eat that chocolate bar, for you to not count your calories or whatever it is you're doing. The goal of I want to feel more confident, I want to feel stronger, I want to feel more, whatever it is, will always supersede those things because you have a deeper purpose. And if you nail those things, the things that you thought you cared about come as a side effect. Mm -hmm. So weight loss will come as a side effect of improving your nutrition, but it should never be the sole purpose. Absolutely. So you went to uni, you studied nutrition. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Why did you want to study nutrition? Because I think for a lot of people listening to this, they're probably thinking, okay, Emily, you had a really hard eating disorder, which really affected your confidence. It took over you. And I think for a lot of people struggling for eating disorders listening to this, it does take over you. And then in that moment to think, okay, now I'm going to study nutrition. Wasn't that quite scary? Because you're almost trying to restrict yourself from food, but then you're kind of going into the realm of learning everything about it. Yeah. So I've always had a very science-based mind. So I originally was going to go and do biomedical sciences at uni. Wow. And the reason why I swapped was because because I love food so much and I come from a place where I love to cook it. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to understand the way that I needed it to kind of fuel and nourish my body as well. Mm-hmm. The processes, the purpose, the reason why. And I wanted to use those tools to help other people with the way that I work with them one-to-one now. Yeah. It was such a natural transition for me. I never found it a negative space because the more you know about it and the more you respect it, mm-hmm. the less scary it becomes. And I think it's misinformation and misjudgment when it comes to fashion industry and diets and fads and mm-hmm. or don'ts and bad foods and good foods. That's the issue. Yet if we all just properly educate ourselves on how to eat food for both your body and your mind. And that's the whole premise of what I do throughout my social media channels. It's, yeah. okay, here's a little bit of information. You can work really one-on-one to get into like, the nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. This is how we eat well in a fun, free way. And that's why I love having both the science background and also the, the foodie background as well. It just marries. I'm, I'm doing what I was born to do. I love that. You've really found your purpose. 
And when you finish uni, tell me how you started getting your clients and tell me how you started to run this business. Because there's a lot of people, I think, that have a really strong passion for something. And at the moment, they're probably thinking, well, how did you get to where you are today? Because you're helping so many people. You're speaking at so many events. That's where we met. And you're able to articulate yourself in a way where you're focusing on, like you said, the food, mind and the body. It's not just one or the other. So how did you kind of start that journey? So I, I used to work for a DNA testing company. Um, so I'm really into personalized nutrition. Okay. I used to think it was going to be the B1 is end all, but unfortunately it hasn't ended that way. But I actually left my job to start my own business about two months before first ever lockdown. Oh my gosh. So it was a brave decision. Would I have done it if I knew that lockdown was coming? Probably not. Okay. But you generally, if you want to do it and you know that, you can put everything into it and it's what you're kind of innately meant to do, go for it because you will always succeed because you always have that drive to kind of push forwards. Mm. I slapped a load of money behind Google Apps. I built a website using Squarespace and I put myself out there and I have my tripod. <laughs> I set up like a photo shoot of me in my kitchen, me on my desk Yeah. to, to make it look as I put my little blazer on. I did, I did everything. I wrote all my programs. And I just started taking clients over on Zoom because we were thrown into this whole realm of where we didn't need a space anymore to mm -hmm. see people one on one. Mm -hmm. I was able to consult with, with clients just over video call. Right. And that enabled my business to kind of grow in such a way where I can work with people in America now or Australia, Europe. I work with such a diverse number of people who are simply able to find me through. Originally, it was advertising, and mm -hmm. now it's through all the work that I do in the kind of social media space, which can be such a negative space. And I'm so pleased that it's something so kind of beautiful and positive to, to me. And why do you think that is? What? Why do you think there is no kind of negativity in the space that you've created? Because I'm not a nutritionist who ever tries to demonize or blame people. And I think there's so many profiles and so many nutrition profiles that you go on and they make you feel terrible about what you're doing. And I feel that when, if I ever go to a party or someone meets me for the first time and I tell them I'm a nutritionist, like, oh, I'm not going to tell you why I'm eating today. Why? I'm not here to judge. Like, the world of food is so personal and we don't all wear the same clothes and we don't all listen to the same music. Why uh, do we expect to all eat the same foods? Like, that's weird. I mean, just, you wouldn't think that. But a lot of people, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on people's food, food intake, nutrition choices and how they fuel their body mm -hmm. to a point where it can really start to demonize certain foods and really have an impact on people's self-worth, people's mental health and just the overall pressure or anxiety that we can sometimes feel about food, food choices. I think in terms of nutrition, it's sometimes very black and white for people, right? And I would definitely say in my mind, if I'm going to admit the truth, there are certain foods that are good and bad. However, I, if you follow my Instagram, if you know me, I eat everything and I love food. The only thing I hate is truffle and no, no one can convince me. I just hate it, okay? But I always do get a lot of comments to say, why are you eating that and how do you stay so fit? Now, we all have very, very different bodies. Some people put on weight quickly, some people don't. I've lost weight because I've stopped going to the gym. And people find that impossible to believe. They're like, you're lying. And I'm like, 
I genuinely, if I don't go to the gym, I will lose weight. And that's just the way my body works. I, I know it's weird. And then they're like, well, why do you go to the gym then? I'm like, because weight isn't the only goal that people have in life. And what's really annoying is that generally when you lose weight, people will always say, oh, it's intentional and congratulations. Yeah. You know, people are like, you look amazing. You've done that on purpose. And it's like, I'm actually quite unwell. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I, I don't know why we fit, we place such an importance on people's weight. We're obsessed. And I think that's why people are obsessed in terms of how many calories are you eating? Is that good for you? Is that bad for you? Should you be eating that much chocolate? And we're so obsessed in the detail of it that often we're, we, it's very natural to become fearful of foods. Yeah. Like I won't drink Diet Coke in front of certain people because I know they'll judge me. I won't eat chocolate in front of certain people because I know they'll also judge me. In fact, I remember I went for lunch with a model once when I was in those days. And um, we went for lunch and I was so hungry. I have a big appetite. And I wanted to order something and she was like, I'm not going to get that. So I was like, I won't get it. And I remember I was so hungry after I left, I went to go and eat by myself. <laughs> and I remember in that moment being like, wow, that is so alarming. Yeah. I never saw her again after that. I was like, you're not good energy around me. Because I don't feel like you're giving me, you, you were judging me for eating so much. Mm -hmm. So I ate less. And then I had to go eat by myself, which made me feel even worse. Like, why didn't I stick up for myself? Why am I such a loser? All of these different things. And I think a lot of people go through those emotions. How do you tackle that with your plan? So I... I'm always about the food that you want to eat designed by a nutritionist. So I tap into that sense of fun and also normality around food. Okay. Everyone thinks that we can't eat nice bowls of pasta and lasagna and all those like lovely comforting foods that we, we crave and desire. Mm -hmm. There are a few tiny changes and twists that you can do to always boost things up and add a little bit more and I'm so pleased, actually, that the, the realm of nutrition has really got into this habit of saying diversity and more. Mm -hmm. It's not about deprivation. It's not about taking away. It's about, okay, if I'm going to make a ragu, why not stick courgettes, mushrooms, peppers, cans, all of those good things that you can run bulking out with. Right. So rather than saying you could only eat salmon, sweet potato and broccoli, to, to kind of like have a healthy, lean meal or mm -hmm. whatever that means. It's all about smart, clever incorporation while still finding food identity. And right. that's why whenever I work with a client, I always ask them, what are your favorite foods? What do you love to eat? What brings you joy and happiness? Mm -hmm. And then my job is to be able to tap into that, tap into their food identity and rework it in a way that I know is going to help them achieve their goals. Right. But in a very happy and sustainable manner. So they feel more energetic. They feel their skin glow. They, they feel their hair grow. They, of course, they feel a bit lighter as a side effect. But mm -hmm. the process is just filled with joy. Yeah. And that's what good food and nutrition. And I think that's what good nutrition coaching is all about. Mm -hmm. My job is to be able to break someone down and kind of build up those pieces while still not forgetting who they are. And also making it easy. Exactly. Now, for me, I um, find it hard to track all of those things. I haven't had, got, had a plan with you. But talking of yeah. good skin, energy and focus, I've been taking Heights. Yeah. Now, Heights is a brain care supplement. I take two in the morning and it's filled with 20 antioxidants, vitamins and minerals. Now, you know about Heights, don't you? Do. And tell me about them. What do you think? So I love Heights. I think they are one of the most complete supplements on the market that you can buy. 
Okay. It's the perfect, what I call, like, safety gap. So a lot of people say, oh, yeah, but you can just go with the nutrition. But do you know how much of everything that you need to eat to get all of those things? We live busy lives. We don't always have time to prep everything. We have to be realistic. And mm-hmm. everyone knows me. I love a supplement. I love a supplement for myself. I love a supplement for my clients. If I have a routine that I incorporate that includes like a green juice mm-hmm. and like one of the morning routine, like a couple of pints, like I'm there for it because it's something that empowers me with my health. I know that I'm getting everything that I need to run mm-hmm. optimally. And that's so important because obviously... We know that the risk of deficiencies in modern-day life in the UK is very low. Right. Like vitamin D and iron are the only ones we actually tend to find in females, maybe a bit of magnesium. Right. And as for men, it's mostly just vitamin D and magnesium as well. But these are deficiencies. We're not looking at, okay, how are you going to be the best version of yourself? Yes. And that's why taking something like heights just tops up all of those reservoirs that you may not necessarily be able to kind of reach just by a food alone. Well, I think you should come on every podcast to do this, the sponsor ad because <laughs> I don't think I needed to say anything there. But it's really cool because with Heights, they're giving everyone an extra 15% off with my code millennial right. off their three-month supply anyway. So off your quarterly subscription, guys. A nutritionist guide, take Heights. So one of the things I've noticed on all of your amazing posts, by the way, which are so aesthetically clean. I don't know how you do them because I literally would never even know how to even start. But there's never any calories on them. Is that intentional? Yes. So I design food that I know is balanced for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Okay. So what I mean by that is most of us probably tend to eat roughly the amount, um, same amount of calories for our breakfast, lunch and dinner anyway. We're nice. looking at negative behaviors when it comes to excessive snacking like binge uh, binge snacking um drinking lots of free sugar sugar smoothies that's where people tend to go wrong it's very hard if you're having kind of good whole nutritious um nutritionally dense foods to overeat when it just comes to breakfast lunch and dinner you're describing me exactly yeah i'm literally like oh my god i have like a coffee in the morning And then I eat like whatever is available at lunch. And again, whatever it's at dinner. I'm not. And I snack all the time. Why is it bad? It's bad because it's your, it's bad because it's very easy for it to get out of control. Mm-hmm. And we really need to pay attention to our blood sugar levels. And also thinking about what makes us feel satisfied. And that's something that's really, really important. Because if you eat something that isn't going to make you feel satisfied, you will crave. Yes. Urges and you'll think about the thing and you'll obsess about the thing and then you'll run home because you're so hungry because you haven't eaten properly throughout the day and you'll rage your cupboards and <laughs> XYZ and then be like, oh, I'll just throw like a small thing together for dinner. This is me. Yes. This is my life. <laughs> but what's really interesting, and I've actually wanted to ask you this, is Sometimes when I don't eat for a while, when I'm stressed, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect my body because when I'm stressed for some reason, if I don't eat, I don't really get these. this what I'm about to tell you. But sometimes if I don't eat for a while or like if I have porridge in the morning sometimes, yeah. after like two, three hours, I start to shake. Yeah. And I think it's my blood sugar level. Why would that happen to me? Why does that happen to me? So you're not balancing your meals appropriately. So protein mm. and fiber are the two things that a lot of people in that in their breakfast options, particularly if they're not having anything like eggs um, and 
also just for like quick grab and go sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Protein and fiber are really your satiation king. Okay. So we need to be able to have those in each of our three main meals mm-hmm. to balance out our blood sugar levels. Right. So they slow down the absorption of our carbs. So they slow down the overall spike and crash when it comes to our meals. So if we're just having a bowl of oats that you're making with a milk and a sweetener. Yeah. It's basically just carbs. Obviously, there are protein in oats. Got it. It depends what type of milk you're using. If you're using almond milk, you're getting no protein in that either. I use almond milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just going, whoop, and that, yeah. That's why. But grate an apple into it. Or it. like mix a little bit of protein powder into it. Think about if you can get some strange yogurt in there and um, add an extra handful of almonds, whole almonds, the fiber content, and just those simple things mm-hmm. stop you having those subsequent lows which are giving you shakes that's the worst feeling i think when you're when that happens to me and i'm like shaking i'm sweating and i'm like what is happening happens very rarely but i've noticed that it stopped recently but it used to happen to me a lot when i used to have oats and i've just cut out oats now because i'm just like okay i can't have that but you're right i think look this is the thing i think with nutrition online it's very confusing as an average joe to be looking at what's to, what to eat and what not to eat. And there's a lot of people who claim they're a nutritionist online, especially on TikTok now where people get 90% of their information from and say like, this is healthy for you. What I've noticed in a lot of food pages though is a lot of trolling. Mm-hmm. Because like we've said before, in terms of food, it's very subjective. What you think is healthy could be different from what I think is healthy. What I class as a bad food could be different from what you class as a bad food. And whilst we shouldn't have this narrative around food being good or bad, because it's just toxic, Unfortunately, it's still there in society. How do you deal with that? Again, I think you have to make sure that you don't make people think that your opinion is the only opinion. Because if you have a sense of self-righteousness about this is the only way Mm -hmm. you should eat, this is the only food you should eat, you should only ever eat my recipes to be healthy, it's just not realistic. You have to empower people to make their own choices around what they eat. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same way that I chose to put on this outfit today and you chose to put on that outfit today. Yeah. If I said, oh no, you should only be wearing these these types of clothes, I want to wear something different. Mm-hmm. That's where we have to go to different people for different sources of inspiration. And that's what I like to be. I like to be a source of inspiration for people to empower people to make tiny changes to their nutrition and, and their health without saying... If you don't do what I do, you're doing it wrong. Um, you know, I listened to this in a podcast recently. It said, if you want to cure anxiety, the number one thing you should do is change your diet. Mm. Diet changes everything. Tell me the healing power of foods. Why is diet so important for things like anxiety, depression, low mood? Why is it so powerful? So there's two things. It comes to how we're balancing our blood sugar levels and also our gut health. So blood sugar levels, those peaks and crashes are going to make us feel more anxious, more stressed. Uh, cortisol is actually closely linked to our blood sugar levels. Okay. And then the other thing is our gut. So our gut actually produces a whole load of neurotransmitters. So our gut produces a lot of serotonin. Not necessarily serotonin that's going to be used in the brain, but still it's communicating with cells, with mobility <laughs> in the gut, with the body. And if we're able to kind of nourish our microbiome, keep a nice, happy, healthy gut, one that doesn't feel like it's against you, mm-hmm. you will naturally feel more balanced, more calm uh, and less anxious. And what's the number one thing people can do to kind of make sure that they're 
health is in check. So I remember hearing you speak about, you know, if you feel like something is off, make sure you go get it checked out. But for a lot of people, it's too late by the time they go get it checked out. Like for me, for example, I have to have the doctor call me and say, you need to come in now. What are some of the indicators that we can look out for to make sure that we're looking after our health? So I always say no one knows your body better than you do. So you have to have some source of self-check-in. I recommend probably every single day if you can or once a week where you lay on your back, you put your hand on your abdomen and the other hand on your chest and you just kind of run through your body, close your eyes and run through your body thinking, how does that feel? How does this feel? How does that feel? Oh, wow. Identify those areas where you're just maybe not feeling so great and it can be like congestion and that may um, indicate some sort of food allergy, etc. We have access to incredible testing that we can do online now. So a lot of finger prick uh, blood tests that you can do to mm-hmm. sort of check your overall bloods because it's quite difficult to go to your uh, doctor and how and, and then be able to give you the time to be like, oh, let's do a whole self-investigation. But when it comes to your health, just keep it simple as well. Think mm-hmm. about the basics of what you're doing in your diet. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's so boring. It's so old school. Of course, if you're not hungry for breakfast, don't eat it. But focus on those three main meals. Keep them balanced. Find the protein, plant-based proteins, animal-based proteins, whatever. Get the fiber in and also get the color. Okay. And this is why I always say that like, I love to do that little bit of bouge. And eating beautifully feeds into living beautifully. Yeah. So if you eat beautifully with a sprinkle of herbs and make t- time to put something lovely together on your plate half the dishes that you feed yourself you would never give to someone that you loved so true so why are you doing it to you it's really interesting i was telling you about this before as well as um as an indian girl i feel that when i was younger there was so much pressure on me learning how to cook and there was so much emphasis putting put on me that Shivani you must cook you must cook that it almost as I've gone older and I've reflected on this recently has become a thing that I just don't want to do Mm. and I don't know why because I think when people do cook with so beautifully and with so much love I feel like you can taste it in the food like I will copy my mum's recipe but when she makes it it's totally different it's way better and I think that I just have this almost like resentment to being someone who can cook well because for so long it was like well you must be a good cook and then if I cook well it's like well that's the only thing Shawnee's good at and I'm kind of pushed into that narrative and I think a lot of the time when a narrative is forced on me I try my best to move away from it and I'll do everything I can in my power and I think it's quite sad actually with food because I've almost lost that love of making it and I did used to at some point in lockdown used to be like I'm going to try these recipes I'm going to try all these new things I look at your recipes all the time and I think oh my gosh the tomato soup I want to make it all the time, the cheese toasty. But I never want anyone to be like, Shivani's so good at cooking. And it's such a weird reflection I had like a couple of months ago to think that actually it's because it's always been pushed on me that I've always had that. And I think it's really sad actually because cooking is so beautiful. And my grandma my mum's mum who passed away, she used to be the best cook ever and everyone used to always say she put so much love into her food. And a lot of people say that at the moment as well. Like you can put a lot of love into something and especially with food, you can feel it. But I feel like that's the same with diet culture. So people have this already preempted thought of, when I say to someone, oh, would you like a nutrition plan? 
or when mm-hmm. I put a nutrition pad together for them, they get scared because they think diets are a certain way and they think nutrition has to be pushed onto them to make them feel uncomfortable and I'm going to take away all the fun and joy. Yeah. The same way that you feel if you're going to have to cook or everyone's going to be like, oh, you're such a good cook. It kind of puts this label. Yeah, there's this label on you. Mm. And I feel it's exactly the same with nutrition. That is so true. On healthy eating. That you think healthy eating, you immediately think, I'm not going to enjoy it as much. It's interesting. My mom's like that. If I'm like, oh, this is vegan. She's like, oh, God, I don't want it. And I'm like... Why? Yeah. You haven't even tried it. Or I'm like, oh, this is so healthy. It's so good. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to like it. Yeah. And I'm like, just give it a chance. And I find it really annoying. But actually, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to counteract one of your points. So you're saying that, you know, when you're starting to look after your health, if let's just say your goal is weight loss. And I know the whole world shouldn't be revolved around that, but let's just say it's that. Surely, in order for a change to happen, you have to sacrifice something. So let's say I came to you and said, um, look, Emily, I want to lose five kilograms, yeah. but I love chocolate, I love pizza, and I love chips. How would you tailor that for me? So restraint, not restriction, is absolutely key. If you feel like you are restricting something where you get more stressed and obsessed over mm. eating something out, it's about how can we bring this in, in moderation, in a structured way, making sure that that 80% of everything else that we're doing is as long as the scale is going the, the way that you want it to. Right. It doesn't matter if you have one day like this, but then the next day like this. Like maybe one day in the middle, one day like this. It's our accumulative behaviors that make a difference in the long term. So right. that's why I say to my clients, okay, you can go out on the weekends. Don't make it a blowout binge. You don't have to do everything to such an extreme because it's a cheat day. It's about having consistent fundamentals and habits that you build in that over the week, you're still in that deficit, even though you've had pizza with a glass of red wine on a Friday night. But maybe the next day on the Saturday, you wake up, you do a, a big bike ride mm. somewhere. You do some sort of enjoyable activity that involves movement. And you eat a little bit more lighter and brighter, but still things that make you feel satisfied and you enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> and that just helps create healthy balance. Because it's not about cutting and then binging. You made a point there around if you, and I'm not saying you said it in this way, but I'm just saying how some people think you have a pizza and a glass of wine on a Friday night and then you go for a bike ride on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say we need to burn that off or I need to work hard to eat this pizza, or when I have a pizza, I'm going to do a big workout tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Often that can be triggering for people. How do we overcome that? Because it's all about your mindset and where it's coming from in you. Right. Is it your voice? Is it, is it you? Or is it that other voice that's that kind of clashing chimp in the background? Yes. And as long as you're able to identify your voice in your thoughts, do the things that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. It's not about burning it off. It's about healthy balance and healthy movement. Because the, a lot of people, as we said before, a lot of people want to lose weight because they want to feel confident. Yeah. They want to go on the beach with their kids in a bikini and be able to not have to kind of wrap a towel around them to go into the waterfront. There are goals in life that they want to achieve that their weight is holding them back for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's difficult because obviously I work in 
I work heavily in a weight loss. Um, uh, I work heavily in a weight loss industry. Okay. I don't tend to work one-to-one with eating disorder clients. It's not something that I actually do. Okay. Even though I have previous experience in it. In it. The line between triggering some people and helping others is quite thin. Yeah. So that's where I have to actually be really careful with the messaging that I put out. Because I always think, 70-year-old me, what would I want to see from my page? Mm-hmm. What would I take from my page and from my message? And I needed someone like me when I was young. I needed, I needed me to look up to, to help show me that food is not the enemy. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people it is because... Another thing we spoke about as well, the calories on the menus, talking around triggers, I went for a hen recently and a lot, we had a conversation around this because a lot of the girls were like, it's really distressing to see calories on menus, but for a lot of people, they're like, it's helping me with my nutrition, it's helping me stay on track. What are your thoughts as a nutritionist? Your body is in a mass equation and I don't think we should do mass on it every single day. Every single day will be different depending on your hormones, depending on where you are, depending on how much you've moved, depending on how much muscle you have, depending how fast you are. Everything can change slightly. Mm -hmm. And as long as we stick to the key fundamentals of eating well, getting diversity, add colour, seek the protein, breakfast, lunch and dinner, moderate snacks and try not to drink sugar. Mm-hmm. You honestly can't go too far wrong, and that's a very that's a very that's a simplification, of course, because everyone's unique and everyone will have different triggers. Everyone yes. has different vulnerabilities, and that's why I don't really like a lot of these people who are out on social media, like, "Oh, yeah, it's just a calorie deficit." Because life is not that simple, and we all face hurdles and barriers, and it's about us kind of making peace with those and working how. And working out how we can ride along with them to help achieve our goals rather than constantly saying, I need to be different. I need to change. I can't do this. It's about acceptance because as soon as you accept, it enables you to kind of grow around it or grow with it. As you're talking and talking around acceptance, it feels like you've built up a way in which to love yourself a lot and to be very forgiving. And you've just talked around the first step is in accepting who you are. How do you how did you get to that point? Because I can imagine seventeen year old you to where you are right now, it's not an overnight journey. And like you said, those demons are still in the back of your head. So how do you get to that point? Because I think a lot of people here will be struggling, whether it's with food or not with food, with that feeling of I can't move past this, I'm not good enough, all of these negative affirmations. How do you do it? So I don't want anyone to ever be fooled. That when they look at my life, they think that everything's hunky-dory and I'm this perfect nutritionist who never had a wobbly day. Mm-hmm. There are days that are so hard that I talk myself down, that I'm negative about myself. I don't want to leave the house. Yeah. All of those things. But we share in that. We all have those same insecurities and vulnerabilities. The most important thing is that I always find that voice that I know is mine and that voice that I know drives me. And as long as I can pick that out and focus on it and even if like writing it down and reaffirming my true beliefs of myself, 
mm-hmm. and making sure that you tell yourself, no, do you know what? You're fucking fantastic. <laughs> don't ever forget that. But you will never, ever not face those other mm-hmm. voices. It's just, again, about finding yourself through mm-hmm. those. You're making me cry. <laughs> I really quite enough. <laughs> I find it so, I don't know what it is when I see women, especially, who are so sure of themselves. I, that's the happiest I ever feel around women like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because there's so many moments where, like you, people will look at my page and be like, but Shivani, you're so strong. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you're, you've reflected on all these experiences and that's so true. And I always say, you know, when I'm talking about an experience and I'm reflecting, let's say, around, I don't know, something deep. Remember, I've gone through that pain. When I'm telling you, when I'm saying on the podcast, you know, surround yourself with good people. It's so infectious to have positive energy. It's because I've been through that negative energy. And I don't feel like that every day. When I'm around that negative energy sometimes, because you can't let go of it, there's days where I feel awful. But sharing that on social media sometimes is quite draining for an audience as well. Do you ever share any of your bad days? A little. But it's one of those things where... You know, this is actually a really interesting question because it's something that I've been battling with myself recently. Mm-hmm. And I do have those days. And this morning, like, I came home after my gym class and I burst into tears from my voice. I know that I'm so tired. And there's, there's an essence of I want to be that energy prop to people. I want to be that person who kind of fills people with joy, inspiration. I don't want to be an energy vampire. Yeah. And... Where do I actually release those things? And that's why actually having the close friends and the close circle that I do are so, so important and so valuable because as someone who is on, as someone who's in a public space, I don't often feel comfortable enough to share those, yeah, those emotions at the moment. And I often think that same for me, I I will always reflect. And one of the things that I do is once I've reflected, I'll tell you a learning of how to get out of it or how I got out of it. And then I can say, I've had a really bad day. And this is what I did to move on from it. You know, I think coming on camera and being like, I'm having the worst day is no value to your audience. Because I'm productive as well. I'm a problem solver. Same. Whatever there is, whatever's happened in my life, I cry about it. And I'm like, right, okay. <laughs> Let's I'm, go. I'm, I'm this. That's why I love food and nutrition. That's why I've actually really started to work on like my morning routine, for example. So I get up, mm-hmm. journal, mm-hmm. understand my day, practice gratitude, take some supplements. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can do a green juice and I go for a walk and I get some space and I listen to music that feels good. And I come back. If I don't do that, I'm a mess. Right. And you know what's what's worked for you. And I think in this wellness space, what's irritating me is everyone says, oh, I have to wake up at 5am. Oh, I have to have a cold shower. Oh, I need to do 20 minutes of meditation. Everyone has different habits that yeah. will work for them. And it's always around finding the ones that work for you. 100%. And it's really annoying, isn't it, in the space how everyone's just become like a clone. Oh, you feel guilty. Yeah. If I wake up at 6 15, I'm like, oh, God, well, I think I woke up at 5. I'm clearly not doing enough. And it's like, oh, my God. But this is where comparison is literally the root to all evil and that's the only reason why social media can ever be negative is because we believe that everyone else is living these amazing perfect lives that no one else is going through the struggles that we've got so through. true we are all the same we are we all share in different ways the same vulnerabilities the same and um, the same anxious thoughts everything 
So true. And you know what? If you're ever feeling like someone is living an amazing life, look at your own feed. Yeah. That's what I always say. Look at your own feed. Because yeah. people are looking at your feed being like, oh my God, they're killing it. I get so many lovely messages sometimes from people. And I think, what on earth are you seeing? Yeah. And people are sending me such lovely things. And I'm like, if only you knew. Like today, let's just tell everyone about today. I was having my studio, we got the wrong studio. I had to message you to be like, come at this time. I had heatless curlers in my hair. Hadn't really done my, <laughs> hadn't really done my makeup. Water leaked in my gift bag, so your bag was soggy. That was just one tiny element of the day that all went wrong. What is gonna what is the point of me telling my followers about that? They're gonna be like, Yeah, well, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Oh, boo-boo, yeah. Yeah, and because of that, sorry, the editor came here as well. We were unable to edit the podcast before that because we we're going to have that one hour schedule to edit a podcast, which we haven't done now. So, what? but what can you do? Yeah. And I think, like, it's it's very difficult because I'm sure every single person goes through moments of chaos like that in their life that they don't share. Mm -hmm. And because they don't share that, we think, oh, they're so lucky they've got this. But I think it's so important to remember, like you said, we all are the same. We are all the same we are and there's so much comfort in that so much Which why i love to hear as you said i love to hear people's stories of how they've processed it and gone through it exactly but you don't want to sit there every single day as a as someone who's in the like in the social media space 100 <laughs> percent. this happened to me i think you know once a week you know one of my aunties uh one of my aunties my auntie <laughs> My auntie always talk about Rashma. She actually does something called Failure Friday. Cool. And every Friday she'll talk about how she failed at something mm -hmm. and how she's all right with it. Yeah. And it's fine that she fails at something like one time. And it's they're so funny. Like they're always about her kids. Yeah. And I don't know if, why for some reason they're just so relatable. She's like, I've not allowed my child to sleep in my bed for like three months. But every night this week he slept in my bed. I've had no sleep. Haven't done this. Haven't done that. But do you know what? I'm going to set a boundary with him. He needs to sleep in his own bloody bed from yeah. now on. And they're just so relatable and they're so funny. And I'm like, that is so refreshing to hear. But I love that because it's exactly the same way that, that relationships work because of communication. Yes. You have to communicate with yourself. Yes. You have to communicate with yourself. How on earth are you meant to process your feelings and emotions towards the person that you live with every single moment <laughs> of the day? You've got to have that healthy relationship via communication. Oh my God, that's so powerful. I never thought of that. Mm. To all the bad communicators out there, start. <laughs> so we normally close this podcast with a truth or dare. Okay. What would you like? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to say dare because I think... Uh, Make me a pasta. Make macaroni in the pasta. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm going to make it three. <laughs> uh, well, actually, you should take the day. I want you to. I want to dare you to make me a week's worth of meals and deliver them to my house. <laughs> I get broken bits. <laughs> Goodie bag. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, the truth is going to be, tell me, actually, one of the hardest moments you went through and how you overcame it. So I, during lockdown, I opened up a delivery kitchen. Okay. And I've never, I have the utmost respect for anyone who works in hospitality or restaurants because it was the first time I'd, I'd taken my boyfriend home to meet my family and I was obsessed with this delivery kitchen because it was my name and it was everyone judging me through my food kind of thing wow and obviously I was so hyper conscious of criticism so the perfection of the perfectionist in me was everything has to go up perfectly my chef that I hired at the time had a meltdown I was as I was like halfway up 
the the L one and just like walked out. And I was getting pictures and like messages from customers of like wrong orders, like disgusting food, like food pairs in all of this stuff, and it just plummeted. And that was my when I tell you I woke up before him every single day. I got home at eight o'clock at night. I used to go in and do all the prep. Like it was nuts. I remember my, my boyfriend at the time being like, oh, this is just not feasible. It was it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And that moment was the moment that broke me because I was so burnt out and everything that I worked for I felt had been ruined. And it was such an impactful time because it was the only time I ever felt like giving up. Because normally I'd always, there was always fighting me. And it was the one time I was like, I can't do this anymore. You know that feeling? Yeah. And. But you didn't give up. I didn't give up in the end. I was like, yeah. Why didn't you? What pushed you? I think. Because I believe in myself. I always knew that I'd be cheating myself if I gave up. I don't quit. I haven't got this far. I haven't overcome the hurdles that I've, I haven't overcome the hurdles that I've dumped and been through and, and I go through all of the mental health issues that I did to like, I didn't go through those things to give up mm-hmm. and just the inner drive to walk into that kitchen on the Monday after having a really nice weekend with my family. I still went, okay. I like, turned the car around and to go back home. I was like, no, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy your, your mom's birthday. Like, I'm going to meet your parents. Right. And I had that time off to decompress and bird's eye view, actually, the situation. Because I was so in it, I thought it was the only thing that mattered. And I think that's the issue with life. 100%. We can sometimes get so obsessed with things that we put on the biggest pedestal when the reality is it does not belong there. And all you need sometimes is it for it to break will be taken away from you to realize hmm. actually so true it's so interesting how you talk about that because I talk about that in my workshops and from a leadership perspective I always give this analogy of when you're on the balcony looking down you can see everything holistically strategically you can see it all but you have no idea about the voices so you have no idea how your employees are feeling hmm. and when you're on the dance floor You can see everyone next to you. You can see who spilled a drink on you. You can see who's gossiping. You can hear the conversation. But to be optimum, you need to be have a balance of both. So you need to be looking at the balcony and seeing everything strategically, but you also need to spend time on the dance floor. And I used to do this with my team because once or twice a week, I would sit amongst them. Instead of sitting at the edge, I would sit in between them. So I'd be able to hear their chatter and hear, understand what they were saying and understand the processes they were finding difficulty with. And then I would step back and go on that balcony and see everything holistically. And it's the same with life. Like when you're so in something, that's all you see around you and it's impossible to look out. But when you're too too much on the balcony, you're never going to understand the detail of it. And especially in business, I think as a business owner, you need to have that balance of both. But, you know, I've honestly, I've I've been very teary, actually, during this podcast. And I don't really know why. I think you've said so many things that I've just been like, oh, my God, that's so true. That I've just, like, found it very emotional. And I've really felt so inspired by you coming on. So thank you so much. I always think emotion is such a gift. It is. So to be able to 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 feel the highs and lows is... It is. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. 
wherever you're listening or watching, if you could press the like, follow and subscribe button, it would mean the world to me.